0: Hello and welcome to Movie of the Year. The only podcast on the internet that has the science and the screaming to determine what is the single greatest movie of any given year. We are taking a break from our usual jaunt through the past and we're going to focus back on 2020. Remember, focusing on 2020 is easy. Hindsight is 2020. My name is Ryan and I will be your host tonight. And we're going to do the undoable. We're going to see if we can break open, break apart and completely figure out Charlie Kaufman's I'm Thinking of Ending Things, now playing on Netflix. Tonight is a competition show, and so we need our competitors. Up first, let me introduce you to Mike. Now, Mike, um, this is probably the last show I'm going to host for a while, because, and we can't get into too many details because of lawyers. Um, somebody ratted me out on something, and now... I don't know who that is, but I hear that you're taking over the show from me.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm not saying it was a good thing or a bad thing but uh your pop filter corporation does believe in whistleblowers but i guess we uh we don't like that person whoever it may be we don't like them but yeah i'll be hosting i'm going to hate every minute of it ryan why is that because it, i mean it's your rightful throne and i right. it's just legally mandated that i come in and uh what did they say do it right for once i don't know what i I don't know what that means but i guess that's what the show with the board has okay. decided
0: well, I'll be blowing the whistle on that insult that you just did, and we'll be seeing how long you're the host. Uh, Mike, because you did steal hosting from me, um, what are the odds that you're going to win tonight?
1: Oh, so little, but I'm just here to have fun and make friends.
0: <laughs> great. Well, let's see which friend you're going to make. Your opponent tonight is the one, the only, Christina Barsi. Christina, how are you? Hey, I'm exhausted, but I'm here. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>,
1: you can't <getting laughs> not that tired. You can still sing. That's great.
2: Oh, God, I appreciate that comment that you thought Marcy, I could sing.
1: <laughs> you can hit that one note.
0: Well, hmm. later on, Mike will sing, and then you'll see why he said that. I'm notoriously um, bad. Parsi, why don't you tell people who you are and why you're here?
2: I'm not sure about <laughs> either of those <laughs> answers. But um, I think I'm here because, well, I met I met Mike through a very roundabout way. <laughs> through podcasting, which is a longer story than it needs to be. Um, But basically we met through podcasting and I'm here because then I got to meet you, Ryan, through podcasting. And I think I'm here because no one gets to see anyone anymore. And we were like, well, let's do some stuff where we get to sort of see each other maybe and kind of like hang out and do podcast stuff. Who am I? Hmm. What do I do? I do podcast stuff. Um and that's really it. That's kind of sums me up these days. I wish there were there was more to it.
1: So if people want to find you Barcy, they just Google Christina Barcy podcast stuff and then they'll find out everything they need to know.
2: They literally will actually. You will find
1: all that's that pretty shit. cool.
2: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not famous. It's just a not many people have my name.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's it's uh, Mike has that too. But I guess my name is not super common, but your guys' names are insane.
1: But at least Barcy, you can hear and be like, I can spell that. Gravagno, people are like, no, I'm just never I liked what you did, but I'm just never gonna try.
2: It's like nicely fancy pretentious though. See, I wouldn't even pronounce I've been pronouncing your name wrong this whole time.
0: Gravano,
1: Mike.
2: Right, I've been calling you Mickey or like mm-hmm. how do you spell that? <laughs>
1: As the <M-K>. old world.
2: <laughs> <laughs> the Latin.
0: Guys, there's too much to talk about with this movie, so let's dive into it. Uh before we actually start earning some points. Just tell me, you know, basic surface level thoughts. Did you like this movie? Yes. How much and why?
2: I liked it because it made me feel smart. (laughs) I liked it because I was like, oh, everyone feels perplexed by this film. And I feel like my thoughts were just projected onto a screen.
0: (laughs) Okay, that sounds like something a winner would say so i know who's gonna win tonight mike what about you i love it it. did it make you feel dumb
1: i loved it because i felt (laughs) dumb (laughs) no i i i love uh kaufman and uh from andy to charlie and i love plays and movies that feel like plays and this movie was classic charlie kaufman smashed into this is a play this is just a two-hander most of the movie and the dialogue was that zip 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 that a play can feel like uh, I
0: mean it felt like a play but I'm more of a musical fan where's the music oh there it is there now it is. we have all aspects of stage do you like of any sort going of going art
1: form motherfucker it's here
0: <laughs> do you like every sort of art form and then also sort of feeling bad about you liking that art form and then <laughs> feeling bad about liking it too much but maybe not enough and how often you bring it up but maybe you don't bring it up enough it's a lot I, I, I watched it twice now um, and yeah that is a 100% brag um so much better the second time uh so much easier so much uh so much shit throughout the first like 45 minutes that you know just go over your head Mm. but yeah i gotta say that this (laughs) is pretty close to a masterpiece
2: there's a lot going on it covers everything that life has to offer really
0: at least everything that three like people like us would care about yeah yeah true i guess there's
1: no footy ball
2: (laughs) there wasn't a lot of sex maybe that's the one thing that life has to offer that this didn't yeah. quite have.
0: <laughs> yeah, Jesse Plemons, according to his movie and TV roles, never really pulls the ass. I know he's married mm-hmm. to Kirsten Dunst in real life, so that's awesome.
2: Wow, good
1: for him. Uh, and I don't know, maybe it's because I'm currently re-watching Friday Night Lights, but he just turned down one girl to get with another girl, even though the entire world in school and even the adults were like, really? How do? You, how could you do this? Look at you. Nobody likes how talented he is in every way he is.
0: All right, this is another bonus for you, Barcy. Uh, every time I ask a question about the movie, Mike is probably going to talk about Landry from Friday Night Lights, <laughs> and you're going to get a lot of points from that. Fantastic, guys. We're going to take a break, but from when we come uh, when we come back, we're going to see if we can actually break this movie open. Jake,
2: my boyfriend. It's snowing. Winter is coming. We have a real connection, a rare and intense attachment. I've never experienced anything like it. I'm thinking of ending things. Huh? What?
0: Did you say something?
2: I don't think
0: so. Weird. Charlie Kaufman has declared I'm Thinking of Ending Things, his final film. He's thinking of ending things. It took him 12 years for someone to pay for another one of his movies. Apparently, Anomalisa doesn't count as one of his movies. And he doesn't see it happening again. So he made I'm Thinking of Ending Things, now streaming on Netflix, like it was the last film he's ever going to be allowed to make. It tells the story of a young couple, Jake and Lisa Louisa, Eliza Ames, on their way to Jake's family farm to meet his parents. On the way, we are treated to her inner monologue as she is thinking of ending things with Jake. It's a 22 minute car ride. They get to the farmhouse and are treated to performances by Tony Collette and David Thulis. And then it gets real coughing so let's start there. Taste buds, I ask you this. Typically, I like to have more of a thoughtful, analytical question, especially to start the show, but uh, fuck it. What's going on? Let's just simply break down what we think is happening. And then we're going to sort of move on from there. Mike. Uh,
1: Thank you. Uh, I think that, so there's the cuts to the janitor throughout is going on. And my take is that everything's in the janitor's head and he's kind of, it's that half daydream where you kind of lose control of it. And so it's his daydreams mixed with his memories of his parents smashing together and sometimes you're in complete control of the narrative and sometimes you lose it and you're like, oh, my God, I didn't even know I could think these things. And that's when your inner thoughts can all feel alive and real.
0: Now, mm-hmm. I thought I was pretty smart when I sort of put that together about halfway through the movie. And then I found out that the book straight up tells you right away. Here's really? the things we're doing. And Ka- Kaufman is not all about that. But Parsi, does that sort of gel with what you got from the movie?
2: Um, no, I think uh, for me, I was I was compartmentalizing already at that point and was like, okay, I'm going to put a pin in that for the janitor. That guy's coming in later on. He's going to weave himself in and be really pivotal later. And I was like, cool. Anyways, 22. We we actually stopped the film and was like, okay, 22 minutes in the car. So I love that you pointed that out. And then he doesn't want to go in and mom is just like waving from the window. I was like, ooh, mommy issues. Like (laughs) there's total mom issues happening here. That was the first theme I picked up on, I think. But I also laughed a lot in the car ride. I was like, this is ridiculously melancholic in a way that is meta and humorous where I'm like, oh, okay, we're going down this interesting road of, of uh, just the mind. And that's kind of where I was like, okay.
0: Was there a point? Mm Mm-hmm. Was there a point in the car ride where you guys were like, oh, this is fucked. Something's up. Well,
1: I mean, in the relationship, yes. I don't know if either of you I- have had the privilege of being in this kind of relationship, but it is a horror show. It's a slow motion car wreck.
0: Oh, no. I love, I love my favorite parts of my life are where we're like, oh, we're probably going to break up. Let's go on a trip. Let's just get together in a car and go on a trip.
2: <laughs> I think I was trying to figure out who was actually experiencing the thoughts mm. because she's the one speaking but I was like, this is kind of probably his perspective of it even though she seems super narcissistic. <laughs> and uh, and it, that was the first thing I was saying, oh, she's so narcissistic. Interesting. What's that all about? And then I was like, oh, this is probably his perspective.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, it's not it, that this isn't how movies work. Like we get voiceover at the beginning or like at the when things start and then they go on and then Characters speak to each other, and this chick will not stop think, right. talking to herself. And that's the first thing that, like, sort of throws you off. Like, damn, she really does not want to talk to Jesse Plemons.
1: especially because there are times, especially uh, in that first 22 minute section, that he flinches a couple of times from her monologue in her monologue. And yeah, he it's like, it. Okay, can he hear it? Or, and then that makes sense of what you said, Barcy, is it's just what he she's quiet, so therefore. She must be thinking of how I'm a piece of shit and she's going to end things with me, where she could just be like singing the Chips Ahoy song from the nineties commercial, just like that big band, like just zoning out staring at the snow. How does that go? Uh no 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 no, that's Gary Glitter.
0: Uh, uh. oh, Gary Glitter reference from Mike. <laughs> of course. Once again for the twelfth show in a row. Uh did you guys think that maybe uh Jake could hear her inner monologue, or she's just a really good ventriloquist? And she was saying all that stuff out loud, but just keeping her mouth shut the entire time.
1: That's hardcore gaslighting. If you want to slowly make your partner lose their mind, get great at ventriloquism.
2: I don't think we were in that much reality. I think we were Mm. just in his head. I don't think she was. I think these were memories, and that how we remember things has nothing to do with what really
0: happened. And in a Kaufman movie, it's basically uh, the slow road up to how fucked up this world is. <laughs> and then also all of we're we're always his therapist, right? Like we're always going to sit and watch all of his anxieties on display. And the fact that when you realize that this the, the male character is creating the monologue for the female character and still she doesn't like him? Like he could be <laughs> making up anything he wants and still she's like, "Fucking, this guy is so boring." <laughs> that's that's Kaufman as hell. And then the right? other thing in the car ride we get th- is the but it's subtle in the beginning uh the very slight changes on her past and her jobs and her mm-hmm. you know is she a scientist is she a poet that stuff that like it, you know it, it's not as glaring as like a dog trying to get dry for 30 minutes like.
1: <laughs> yeah that it that, the first couple times you're like i did i misremember is she both a scientist and a poet that's pretty cool and then it just like keeps shifting shifting till you're right. like wait why doesn't she know what she is and then it's really hammering home it's like he doesn't remember what she is or was and so, and how much does that matter
2: Yeah, to him? And Yeah, I, I think those moments where words were being used that way, they were kind of set up to be like touchstones of streams of thought that we would continue to discover almost immediately after. So I don't want to jump ahead because I feel like that's something that comes up later when they're in the house more. But um, yeah, anytime language was used that way where things were getting sort of switched up, Mm-hmm. they created a new thread of thought.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I think it speaks to two different things that's going on is one memory is faulty, right? Like I kind of, I can't really remember if I even had knowledge of this person at all. I can't remember exactly what she did or this fantasy is not working perfectly for me. I'm just going to twist this diet, dial. It you up. Know?
1: Yeah. yeah. How, how much can you project your fantasy person? And then the minute you're like, oh the poet version is not working for me. Cause it's not just that right. her background and name changed. She did such a phenomenal job at slightly shifting her personality, just like her sweater also slightly shifted throughout the movie. Which, again, it starts off subtle till you think you are fucking up. Like, I must be misremembering what she just wore or sounded or acted like.
0: It's testing your, like, your, uh, I don't know, security on how you watch movies. Mm-hmm. You're like, fuck, I got, I got to pay attention, man. And then you do the, like, the wipe the eyes.
1: <laughs> My phone is across the room, but was I just on Twitter? <laughs> like,. <laughs>
0: Uh, yeah, this, one, mm-hmm. Go ahead, Barzy.
2: I was going to say, I did have one moment where I was like, wait a minute, what? Oh. <laughs> I was like, oh, she's going to keep doing that um, when she was talking to the mom at the table. But again, I don't want to skip ahead because I don't the, think we're inside the house yet.
0: Yeah. So but for the most part, it feels like that we're in like maybe like a 90s indie movie with a couple of slackers. Like mm. They're probably a lot older than they were in my head, but I'm an old man. You know, like, let's hit the road and go to a farm and party all weekend. And once we get to the farmhouse, that's when things sort of start to crack. I would say like mostly initiated by the dog that I was mentioning before.
1: Not initiated by the horrific Joker-like grin of Tony Collette through the window, not stopping waving that Barcy brought up. And then when he's like, no, they they know I like to stretch my legs. Jesse Plemons has the unchallengeable talent to say, such an innocuous phrase, and make you think I'm gonna get murdered. <laughs> like there's something so uneasy. And then, well, I need to show you around. Here's this horrific barn where pigs had maggots eating. Like there's no. We could have gone to the house. We could have been warm in the house. I could have skipped that story.
2: If this were a horror film, that would be mm-hmm. the first clue to it being a horror film, yes. right? So that was interesting, and I was like, "Ooh, who's gonna die?" But then mm-hmm. it makes sense once you figure out the themes that that's there.
0: But the, the horror feel of like this abandoned, because not only are they in like farm country, but it's like, it feels like nobody has lived there for mm-hmm. years. Mm-hmm. Um, There's
2: just dead sheep lying by the
0: door. <laughs> yeah. Oh,
1: they're frozen solid. They're fine. But, yeah.
0: <laughs> but it's not even that he's informative. He's indignant. Like, why'd yes. you care about me, not the sheep? God, they'll, they'll be fine. Uh, the tension that's ratcheting up, the Tony Collette in the, the mirror or the window, rather. Like, this is all, if you had never seen this movie, you would think that we're absolutely describing a horror film.
1: It, it's it's yep. Tony Clett in the mirror. And once we meet uh, mom and dad, Tony Clett and David, you said his last name and I've never heard it out loud. I just know I've read it wrong in my head. Uh they <laughs> It's British as fuck. <laughs> I got such parents from Coraline. When, when Coraline travels to the other side of the right. world, because there's times if he's not looking at them, they're, like, sagging their bones in yeah. weird ways, and he'll, and like, like snap his back. eyes, and then, like, they restructure and their posture gets better like humans, and it's like, what what the fuck was that?
0: They always have the wrong posture and the wrong expression on their face. Mm-hmm. Like, they're always just, it always looks like they just got kicked by a horse, <laughs> and then, like, they're just slack-jawed and looking all over the place. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, wait. Is that what you think you look like, Barcy?
2: I'm kind of slanted right now, so maybe a little.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Your horse just kicked you to the side.
2: Yeah, I'm just eventually I'll be over here and you'll be like, <laughs> what Kaufman movie is this shit? <laughs> you guys right. can't see me, but I'm off screen now.
0: <laughs> but we could basically break it down to um, this janitor is having a, a fantasy that's sort of in his control out of his control on the last day of his life the ending things is not oh spoilers <laughs> uh the last day or the ending things is not um the relationship but it's this guy is this guy is deciding that life is probably not for him anymore and he may have laid around too long in the same place and he may be covered in maggots and now it's time to just put him out of his misery If you have that, then I think that you can feel what the movie is doing and you can form your own opinions and, like, you know, sort of decipher things on your own, except for maybe the last 30 minutes. Then it gets a little rougher. We will talk about that later. But let's stop having fun talking about the movie and do something stupid. It's Rushmore time. Rushmore you know what the sound means it's Rushmore time typically people are always building mountains with heads on them about presidents but what if we didn't do that what if we did the presidents of being Charlie Kaufman characters that are iconic that's right an entire mountain dedicated to the characters of Charlie Kaufman who is the writer director of the movie we're talking about tonight you guys see the the theme we're doing here like do you get the connection
1: so I shouldn't I shouldn't bring up Jim Carrey at any point as the Mighty Mouse guy
0: uh, Andy Kaufman is okay so yeah it's it's just the Charlies
1: I okay I really dug into the last name
0: okay oh,
2: wait. I don't know if I get it
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mike's comedy is uh weird like that like it's just not funny oh, uh,
2: <laughs> <laughs> I don't mean the joke I mean <laughs> the,
0: the second we're gonna start with you what do you think is the most iconic Charlie Kaufman character of all time
2: John Malkovich's character in John Malkovich
0: Wait, John Malkovich as John Malkovich and being John Malkovich?
2: Yeah. Malkovich, Malkovich, Malkovich? I like meta shit, so to me that's iconic.
0: Why? What uh, What stands out about this character?
2: Well, number one, he's definitely his, his strange self, which I don't know that we knew who John Malkovich was as a masses before this movie. I feel like it put him on the map. Even though he has a you know very rich background as an actor, I feel like this is the thing that, that stood out. Um, and he has that wonderful dance scene in the bedroom <laughs> where he just throws himself against the walls and does a somersault. And it's kind of the most amazing thing I've ever seen John Malkovich do.
0: And for his age, looking good. Like right? he was fitting there.
2: Do we uh, know if that was him?
1: He's looked the same
0: for 80 years. So uh,
1: yeah. do we know how old he was then?
0: He looked, he 80. looked 45 when he was 20 and still does looks 45 to this day. Uh, i forgot to tell you guys that there is the ryan bonus if you say the one that i want you to then you're gonna get three points but obviously barcy you're getting one for that his name is in the fucking title of the movie so
1: he keeps getting bigger bigger, stronger fuck face
0: very good (laughs) thank you mike what do you got mikeovich uh
1: i'm gonna say clementine from eternal sunshine of the spotless mind
0: now are you speaking for the world or are you speaking for you and what you're specifically into
1: Uh, No, I think she's iconic because her hair keeps changing. Uh, You could see her in her specific outfit and be like, yep, that's not Rose from the Titanic. That is definitely Clementine from Eternal Sunshine. Uh, I think she looks more iconic than Joel. Joel just looks like a dude. Uh, Jim Carrey has looked like that in the number 23, in his shaggy hair phase. Uh, It doesn't necessarily pop out, but she's the, the manic pixie dream girl who skewers the manic pixie dream girl. Archetype.
0: Would Clementine make room for Joel on that little raft if they were in the freezing ocean?
1: She would probably dive in and just try to swim as deep as she could be like, "Joel, it's yours, and you're a dumb, weak man for it." <laughs>
0: yeah. I mean, Clementine. It, there are people who don't think that Kaufman is good at writing women or cares about it. I, there's a lot of arguments, but uh, Clementine is the one that's like, that's always the argument, right? Clementine rules and is definitely on the mountain. Barcy, yes. you're up. What do you got?
2: I mean, I really liked, oh man, I'm going to be terrible at this part of the the fucking game. Um, (laughs) I I liked uh, the mom from ending things. I thought, I thought she brought it when it came to the character. She brought something strange and she kept having to change, you know, what part of her life she was expressing. And, and even within the micro moments of when things were shifting, she kind of shifted into them
0: and and did like these character pops. I am finding so much out about you right now. (laughs) Uh So now I know what you're like after a couple drinks. I'm going to assume it's Tony Collette from Ending Things. (laughs) Just every
1: three seconds a different emotion, crying, (laughs) laughing.
0: (laughs) That and I fucking I love the just the stupid sayings, and then laughing her butt off like. That's so many old people I know are just like, they will say some platitude and they just crack up like they're the first person who's ever said it.
1: But her platitude was always like a pun at the end of it. She would always like twist the platitude and you were never sure if she knew she messed it up or if she did it on purpose. It was uh, Tony Kletz, a goddamn blessing.
0: National treasure. I uh, love, that's, yeah. That's going to go in the maybe pile just because we don't have enough time to make it iconic yet. But we're gonna, we're going to try to do that. Mike, who you got?
1: I'm going to say Donald Kaufman. From an adaptation. So Nicky Cage plays Charlie and Donald. Uh but I think Donald has more of the memorable lines. Uh like mom loves it when he's talking about a shitty script. Uh Mom he, said it was psychologically. <laughs> mom taught. said it was psychologically <laughs> taught. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> uh He it's just the bigger, broader role. I think it's more memorable there. And but everybody's like, Oh yeah, when Nick Cage played two people, but I think Donald, the the schlubbier, worst version of Charlie.
0: Is this our last? We think Nicolas Cage might be a normal person. role. Was it all downhill from there?
1: Did Charlie Kaufman break Nick Cage? Is that what you are saying? Probably,
0: asking? yeah. I think so. <laughs> all right, I'm putting that on the mountain. So we only have one spot left. Barcy, do you have anybody else? I mean, I
2: was gonna also say, um, um, uh, what's his name? Joel, also from Spotless Mind. Just but Mike, Mike yeah. already shit
0: on it. But do you think that? <laughs> the, do you think it is iconic? Because. I sort of do.
2: I'm trying to figure my reasons why I think it's iconic because again, it's, it's the, it's the classic Kaufman running through our minds situation where he he is a very weak character first or in terms of personality, right? Like he's trying to find his strength and we see it expressed and found in this woman who shows him that he can basically that he's okay or that he's valid or whatever. Um, I think Mike wants to say something. I, can I was see just going
1: to ask you if, if you think Joel is more iconic than Patrick, baby boy, who's faceless and just terrifying and haunts my nightmares.
2: Wait, I can't remember.
1: Elijah Wood. And, oh, and, right. And, uh, and his feet, he keeps trying to turn him around. It's just his hair, his hair, his hair, his hair.
2: Well, I forgot about him. So I guess he's I guess not that not iconic. iconic in my head. That's a great argument. Not iconic.
0: <laughs> yeah. I do, I do remember These now. decisions can always be made when somebody says, who? <laughs> I that's don't all know. I got. Mike, I'm gonna give you one more chance. Thank but you. that's the one to be, I think <laughs> right. I think it's I think it's great because it's not just that we gotta to tone down Jim Carrey, because that was back in the day where we were like, he doesn't talk out of his butt. He's an <laughs> amazing actor. True.
1: They but cut around all that.
0: I think he does I think the character in the performance does such a good job of saying like, Hey guys, you know, I'm just I'm the guy at every rom com. I'm just normal, I'm just like you. But then at, at you know, halfway through the movie you're like, Oh, he is like me. A piece of shit. A bastard. A fucking selfish asshole. A
1: weak, and weak man.
0: A weak, weak man. Like goddamn Ross, regular Geller. Ross Geller. A
2: regular Ross
1: Geller. Yeah, my, yeah my, beat that shit. Uh, so I'm not going to mention Anima Lisa if Kaufman won't even count it as one of his movies. Um, it's great and people should watch it. But I think Lottie Schwartz, uh, in being John Nowak, to go back to that, is Cameron Diaz. Because, I, I mean, the... the all four of the leads in that movie are great, but I think that was when people went like, oh, Cameron Diaz might be able to really, really act, and it does suck that she had to like dress down to make people recognize her talent, but I think people, that has burned into people's minds, and Lottie is one of the most interesting characters in that movie, as she grows in arcs in ways a lot of the other ones don't.
0: Yeah, I remember when it came out, everybody was like, Cameron Diaz is so brave.
1: She yeah has, like, she has
0: curly hair
1: <laughs> look at her curly she put glasses on she reversed she's all matted
0: <laughs> yeah do you remember the beginning of the movie no glasses and she was hot and then she put them on because she needed to see better um i like that i like lottie i like cameron diaz but mike i think i forgot to give you a point for donald kaufman Mike, and you. then this uh other points going to Barcy because your charlie kaufman rushmore is malkovich Malkovich. Malkovich and Malkovich. (laughs) Wouldn't that be funny? It's Malkovich, Clementine, Donald Kaufman, and, of course, Joel Barish. When we come back, back to I'm Thinking of Ending. Once people have seen this movie and they realize that, oh, sweet, but Jesse Buckley is in his head, Lisa luiza that's not a real character, they sort of realize that some aspect, whether it's you know 50% or 100% or whatever, is in the janitor's head. The fact that that means that our protagonists do not exist, does that take away from the movie or give it any less weight to you guys?
2: I think the protagonists are the janitor. So I think it's all the same thing. So no, it doesn't take away. Okay. Mike.
1: Yeah. Like they're both aspects of him. That's what you're saying because it's in his head. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, Yeah, I think they are him.
1: uh, a, A big pop filter saying is, Oh, dream sequence. That means nothing matters. I don't learn anything about the character one could argue that Charlie Kaufman then decided to make a whole movie to shove that saying down our throats because this whole movie is a dream sequence and everything matters. It's about finding your stakes and choosing them because we barely leave the dreamscape. It all really, really matters because it really matters to Jesse Plemons. And it really matters to uh, Lucy Louisa. Like, it, she, it, why I think she is a self-aware dream is she starts to get scared. And so that means it matters more than any other, like it was all a dream of every show or movie we've ever watched. Cause they always wake up and go, "Never mind, I'm fine. And nobody learned anything.
0: I have never heard a more Mike pickup line than baby. You a self-aware dream. <laughs> that is, that. I can see you saying that in bars. Yeah. For people who don't like, <laughs> Don't like the movie as much because the characters are in the janitor's head. I have some bad news for you about every single scripted film in the history of cinema.
1: Right? It, it's, I've seen stu- so many stupid headlines. They're like, here's the characters that were real, and I'm thinking of anything. So I'm like, buddies. It's, it's not a documentary. None of them are ever real. Shut up.
0: And we don't have to go into the fact that most documentaries are as fiction as fiction is. We could just say that like they're all all of the characters that you've ever seen are ideas in the writer's head. The writer just sort of put himself into the movie because David Thewlis doesn't fucking like it if he can't see the sad girl (laughs) in the painting looking at the thing. That's how he knows something is sad, guys.
2: Right. He can't just be sad himself. It's just an expression of, well, there's a dog and I'm distracted. (laughs) Sorry.
0: Again, the dog will just not get itself dry. Just stop (laughs) shaking, dog.
2: Speaking of dogs, yeah. What I don't have an answer for the dog. Do we have answers for the dog? It,
1: it it feels like one. It was it was very sad when we were in Jake's childhood bedroom, and you know that because his cran scroll thing that everybody pointed out, and then you see Jimmy's urn, uh, and so the dog is dead, and it's like this is the one thing old man janitor remember about the dog he had growing up is that he could not get dry i guess like
0: (laughs) the other thing too is that a lot of the stuff that we can't and this is just like a cheat for trying to figure out movies a lot of the stuff that we can't put a finger on like i know exactly what that means then i think you can chalk it up to kaufman wanting to etch up the tension you Mm -hmm. know like ratchet Mm -hmm. up uh how we have this uncomfortable feeling uh another complaint about the movie is i was uncomfortable the whole time Mm -hmm. that means that you should give it an a plus right because that was all intentional
2: Yeah, I agree. I think those moments are, again, just like totems of of thought. Like, okay, this scene is obviously, it's letting us know that it's not reality because Mm -hmm. the dog can't get dry, I guess. I I guess that's all it has to be.
1: Yeah, it's like he was giving us little signposts. Like, if you don't get it by now because her sweater keeps changing and her name keeps changing and like, look at how these non-people are standing and sitting. Here's more hints.
0: That's a great argument of like, all right, anybody who's stupid. Here, this is for you. Now you have to understand <laughs> this is not reality, right? Because look at that dog. And Jesse Buckley, who destroys in this movie, uh, her reaction, instead of being like, what the fuck is up with your dog, bro? Her look of just like, uh, that, all right, that's weird. I'm going to chalk that up for later.
2: <laughs> Take yeah. note of that for sure. Did it, anyone else? Oh, sorry. Go no, ahead. No, you go. You go. I was going to say, did anyone else notice that, things would sh- that she would say something and then that thing would show up? Mm hmm.
1: Yeah, thing? it, it, the dog or the dog, um, anything um, she was asking his parents, Yeah, right? she
2: said something about trivia and then trivia, she, they started talking about trivia for the next like 30 or 15 <sighs> minutes or it just kept happening like that.
1: Yeah, it, it really did feel like he he Boys. nailed how to make a stream of consciousness movie because mm-hmm. something would show up and then he would follow that path for a while until it would ping pong into another Mike. area. And
2: every character would have a perspective on that thing. Everybody would mm-hmm. shift and then even the the scene itself would shift into focus where that person would suddenly become the, the stream that we're following. Right.
1: So for that's everybody who says podcasts are boring, boring. it's just a bunch of voices drilling into a topic forever, sort of not listening to each other. They're wrong because this movie proves that's great and entertaining.
0: Wait, what? <laughs> Podcast arguments. Um. Uh, yeah, Mike, I, th- I think that's a great point about the stream of consciousness, or or whoever said it. I'm, again, I'm on a podcast. <laughs> I'm barely fake. fucking listening. Uh, yes. That, like, it feels like that he has that challenge of, you know, novels can do this thing that movies cannot. You know, movies have to, like, take the plot points and then film the plot points, and that's how you adapt. And it felt like, no, fuck that. I'm going to figure out a way to, like, get us into that headspace that only novel characters, mm-hmm. characters from a novel, not, like... Oh, that's or an original character.
2: You, you mentioned before we started, I think, that this is so much like a play. And that's something I kept saying while I was watching it, too. Like, oh, this would work so well as a play. This would work <laughs> so well as a play. Because we explore longer, long, We explore ideas for longer, I feel, when we're right. watching a play. And everyone seems to be fine with that. We're not like, oh, boring. What the <laughs> well, fuck? You, Why is this so existential? Like, <laughs> When are we going to leave this bench? You know what I mean? But <laughs> it just kind of pl- works.
0: Yeah, when a play has as many scenes as a movie does, then that's a lot of the background people running around changing the the scenery and so they sort of really need to stick there in that either car or house or whatever
1: it it, it felt like if this was an essay called i'm thinking of ending things like it's just it is contemplating life and everything that makes up life right and so that's your references and just straight up quotes from poems to to david foster wallace to other movies art and to to art yeah and it really did feel like here are all the arguments i've never seen a fictional movie that is also an essay it man mm. it's so good
0: well yeah. let's get to that i was before mike said all that i was gonna bring this up anyway so like, Fuck you, it, mike. it was my idea before mike said it i just want to make that clear i
1: would think that's a point but okay that's fine of
0: <laughs> course i understand I, what what is this movie and the author and the director and the screenwriter and the characters' relationship to pop culture? Like, what what do we think the movie is ultimately trying to say? Is it good? And like, where where do you think the movie falls with that?
2: Do you want to start, Mike?
1: I, I felt judged, so I think it's not Me good, too, bro. Uh, Mike, it is. I, I think no matter what you're super into, is it David Foster Wallace? Is it poetry? Is it art? It means you're going to. Lecture and monologue, and always try to one up and or correct the people around you instead of having a real dialogue about it. And I think he's saying we're all a little too unhealthy, and be- because we're all Jake, uh, especially because it's all in Jake's mind. But like everybody has this unhealthy relationship to it, but especially this kind of dude, this kind of dude who wants to be right all the time. Mm.
0: Which we are. Not. We are. At,
1: we're on a podcast, so. We're we on are. a podcast.
0: We we called the three of us together to discuss this movie to take it more seriously than anybody should, and it's this movie about how basically it's it's possible to just ruin your lives by taking this shit so seriously.
2: I was just gonna say that I I think it's actually a comment on what separates where is the self within the influence. So Ooh. so we're that's good. We're constantly trying to separate ourselves from the content where it it, it, like just consuming this inertia of content, right? Whether that be and influences, whether that be the family that you start to see the influences of the family on each other, you start to see uh, that whole thing with the commercial or the commercial that they sing together, the jingle (laughs) with the tasty, whatever the fuck later. Um, and that just keeps circling back and it's the last, it's like something like that's the last thing, um, the janitor sees it's like, what are we left with at the end? And they make a a really clear comment about, uh, and I forget exactly how it was phrased, but I wrote it down and it was, um, very few men who live find their soul. So it's, I think that's the thesis of the film actually is who am I amidst all of this? Mm-hmm. And where do I find self? Is it in marriage? Is it in my family? Is it in the social influences? Where do I separate? And where do Force. I? How does that all work together?
0: But still, I think to me, that like that all sounds so hard. I don't want to do all that thinking. So I'm just going to watch movies and read fucking poems instead. Right.
1: And, and I definitely agree with that. But the other angle is part of the some of the times Lucy Louise starts to switch is. When even though she's a figment, she one ups him because Jake likes to correct people. And then when she's like, "Here's a poem that's going to make you feel bad about yourself," he's like, "Oh, now you're a scientist." <laughs> and like any like <laughs> she corrects, and it just shifts and shifts and shifts because he's 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 not just a. A dude who is identified with these things, he has to be identified with one, upping everybody else who also says they know those things. So I even like in that. his mind, when he falters a little, he's like, uh, "Nope, we're gonna three card monty this until you're somebody else." Because I feel bad,
0: or in like so in a control. way that's yeah, yeah, and which is you know, his mom says Jake is all about. He just he needs to be controlling he's of everything. He's diligent <laughs> because <laughs> uh, what a genius. Uh, but because of. <laughs>
2: well played (laughs) because
0: of all of that that's why he's more comfortable in his fantasy world because Hmm. then he can he has control of all that stuff right the other part that like that spoke to me is not anything that i do but people i hang out with uh stop pointing at me
1: through your computer
0: (laughs) is i think this is car ride part two uh when they're driving away from the house and really apropos of nothing but we're just used to jake at this point He's like, oh yeah, well, David Foster Wallace wrote this book of essays that I totally read, and like, it does. There's no reason except for the fact that he did read it, and mm-hmm. he would like people to know that.
1: Yeah, she said, well, that was fun, and he said, have you ever read a supposedly fun thing I'll never want to do again? Damn it, I did the thing you said I do. Talking about the thing, that's the name of the essays, and that's this quote. Fuck you, Mike. <laughs> uh, and, and then he digs into he digs into that hardcore, and that that that's such a again, the if the dog is a signpost, here's another signpost. If you're not getting that we're supposed to roll our eyes at Jake for being this kind of dude, uh, David Foster Wallace is the pale king of these kinds of dudes. Oh, shit. Yeah. Mike. I'll give you that, too. Boom shakalaka! <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, Alright, we have to go soon. Uh, is there any other pop culture moments that stood out to you, whether it was um, Jesse Buckley in the basement looking at the art, or going through the room, and I uh, seen her poem that she wrote in the book
1: that was horrifying.
2: She saw her photo on the wall as well.
1: uh-huh. You know, that was that beginning. was that was horror movie scary right that was definitely
2: that was right movie. after the sheep and the dog, right. I think right. And the pigs. And then it's her picture on the wall. Even
0: just a story called The Sheep and the Dog is freaking me out. (laughs) That sounds like a horrifying movie.
1: Her picture on the wall felt like a horror movie. Her realizing the poem that she recited that she had just written was in this book was somebody else's was a whole different level of emotional gutting. It's because she's realizing maybe she is not real. And also, oh shit, the thing I was proud of, did I rip off?
0: God damn it. This is going to... This is probably going to hit some meta-podcasting levels too. But we, before we go, we're almost out of time. We're so clearly out of time. But we have to talk about the fact that when she's in the room, she sees a giant book of Pauline Kale reviews. And then in Car Ride Part 2, she completely changes her personality to quote from the book as Pauline Kale. Did right. that hit a new level?
2: That, I was like okay i like had zero understanding of that one moment i was like it was kind of like the dog for me i was like what what wait did i did i see oh yeah she's back to normal because she starts doing this thing like (laughs) shortly after that
0: but yeah that's how i let people i'm back to normal
1: her cigarette (laughs) suddenly she has a cigarette that she did not light. her voice changes and it's all very arch and it's like Movie criticism. I've never seen movie criticism talking about the movie we're in at the same time. It is bananas talking about how like all of it, even what you're doing right now, is bullshit.
0: But I think it speaks to the thing that we were talking about before. Of all of a sudden, Jake was like, "I want to date Pauline Kale," Mm -hmm. and he just has that power in his fantasy, you know.
2: I, I also feel like the whole thing is actually memory. Like he's just think like the janitor's thinking back on all these moments in his life and he's changed a lot of things and he changes mm-hmm. them as he'd like to remember them. So that's my, pr- that's what I, that was my take on the, all of that. For sure. For,
1: the, what feels like, cause that could be it, but there's also a couple times where she goes off and is like, we, what is his name? I like when she's at the ice creamery, the yeah. Tulsa treatery or whatever it's called is she's like, I don't even know him. He's a loser. Why would I ever like, it does feel like the story that comes up a couple times is that maybe they did just lock eyes in a bar and never talk. And mm-hmm. so 40 years later, he's still just like, he is feeling it. This is the, what if, if I had gotten with that curly haired redhead, like Dude, the, first this, oh, wow. the first time I watched
0: it, the first time I watched it, I thought that they had at least gone out for the six weeks. The second time I watched it, they never, I don't think they ever went out on a date. I think this is a, all a thing from like looking at a girl from across the room.
1: I think you're right and it's it's easy to judge be, because the jake we get as jesse Plemons, it's so easy to judge him because he is kind of a pretentious fuck but like the janitor's just mopping up all night like it, it also like it's taking a step back feels so weird to judge this old man for his daydreams and then i just no. feel bad about myself but it's the movie it's the point
0: i also <laughs> feel bad about janitors watching it like it's 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 <laughs> it's, it's, it's it's like shoe salesman watching Mary with children. Like that sucks. But I think so much of the part of it is that it's in his high school. Mm-hmm. He's eighty years old in his high school in his town, and he ne- like if he had gone on adventures his whole life, tried shit, went for the girl, and landed back there, that's a good life. But that didn't happen. So Marcy-
2: ma- do- I was just going to ask, what do you make of the moment where she's in the high school, and then he has a conversation with her and says, "I see you." Yeah. What do you think that's about? I, I took that as him.
1: Kind of acknowledging that, like, even though he obviously feels down on himself, that he does see the adventurous part of him. Mm-hmm. Like, or he does, even that, he sees that part of him who could have been bigger and better because that's obviously how he sees her. Or also, maybe when they locked eyes, he didn't see her as a real human. And now at 80, he's like, I see you. You were a yeah, yeah. real person.
2: I think it's all of that. But yeah.
0: No, everything can only be one thing. That's nope. the rule. Not
1: in common thing, world. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm a scientist. So I don't get all those poetry things. But yeah, I think that like, he's accurately remembering a thing that didn't exist where he was just a selfish asshole, didn't think about other people, people's concerns, and basically other relationships exist to be impressed by him. And now... At this age, I think he's finally realizing that if we had met back then, I have got now gone through enough life where I, I would actually see you. I finally see you, this person who just doesn't exist. Snaps. It's fucking so crazy.
2: All the narcissism fell away and he starts to see life
0: for what it actually is. Yeah, because what, what did it get him?
1: Which yeah. is awesome. because And in my uh, experience, is not what people get like when they get older and older and older. The narcissism nope. does not <laughs> fall away. <laughs> It's the exact
0: opposite, folks. Ask your president. Uh Uh-oh, what does that sound, guys? Trivia. You know the rules. When you have to ask a question of me, I will ask it. It's trivia. Can I start at this over?
1: I would love it. We would love it.
0: Here's how trivia works. It works like this for everything. I'll ask the fucking question. You guys ring in with your name, and then you can uh, answer the question. Please do not interrupt me. Wait until the question is over before you say your name. Barcy, do you understand?
2: I say my name.
0: Say say your name. <laughs> say your name, Destiny's Child.
1: When nobody's around you.
0: All right. Oh. Here we go. Three, two. Which Office star was a major Kickstarter backer for... Oh, and this is, by the way, this is Charlie Kaufman trivia. Oh, okay.
2: <laughs> oh, shit.
0: Yeah. Uh, which Office star was a major Kickstarter backer for Nabalisa? Mike. Mike. Steve Carell. Incorrect. Barsi?
2: I would have said the same thing.
0: Well, you can Um, say anything else now.
2: (laughs) Yeah, but I'm blanking on her name.
0: (laughs) Incorrect. It's BJ Novak.
2: (laughs) Oh, that
1: makes sense. Classic BJ Novak.
0: Which Kaufman film did Roger Ebert name the best movie of the 2000s?
2: Obviously, Malkovich. Barsi. Sorry. Barsi. Barsi.
0: Yes. It came out in 99. Mike. Mike.
1: Eternal Sunshine.
0: Incorrect. Synecdoche, New York. Spike oh, why nobody remembers? Spike Jones was originally set to direct Synecdoche, New York, but instead directed what movie based on a children's book?
1: Mike. Mike. Where the wild things are.
0: Mike. Correct. Uh, what famous story about my youth have I told about the book Where the Wild Things Are? Barcy, you want to take this one?
2: Sure, uh, Barsi. Um
1: <laughs> Yeah. Tell the story about Ryan's youth.
2: <laughs> yeah, there was a um, there was you you were having a nightmare and uh clearly you fell asleep reading this book and uh then you woke up and your mom was like what's going on and you were like well i was reading this book and she was like well stop crying and let's finish it and she made you sit up and read the rest of it and then you fell back asleep and had more nightmares
0: incorrect incorrect my mom died at childbirth mike
1: (laughs) mike (laughs) Um... I I, want to say that your mom told you you were worse than Max from Where the Wild Things Are. Something related to that.
0: Incorrect. I uh, had opened this book three different times to read it. And every single time I did, all of the pages were ripped out everywhere I went. And then I realized that it was actually the same (laughs) copy of the book three different times. It felt stupid. (laughs) Moving on. Speaking of Where the Wild Things Are, what do I say when it's Friday night and I want to get my buffalo on? Barsi, let's have some whiskey. Barsi, incorrect. Mike? (laughs)
1: Where the Wild Wings are.
0: Where the Wild Wings are (laughs) is correct. (laughs) Wild Wing is the mascot of what sports franchise? Mike. Mike.
1: The Anaheim Anaheim Ducks?
0: That is correct. Name a live-action Disney movie that would have made a better sports franchise than the Mighty Ducks. (laughs) (laughs) Mike. Mike.
1: Is Cool Runnings Disney?
0: That's a terrible name for sports. Yes, it is Disney. (laughs)
2: Cool ranks.
0: Incorrect. Barcy.
2: I was like, that's a good one. Um Uh Chippendale.
0: Incorrect. The live action <laughs> Chippendale is not Disney at all. It's very athletic. <laughs> the correct answer is the Anaheim Homeward Bounds, The Incredible Journeys. <laughs> True or False. In Eternal Sunshine, Joel's address is one five eight South Village in Rockville Center on Long Island.
2: Barcy False.
0: Barcy is, it's false. It's one five nine. Good job. Uh,
2: Obviously.
0: <laughs> Number nine, George Clooney directed Kaufman's Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. Who's more handsome, George Clooney or me? Mike. Mike? You are Ryan. Incorrect. Marcy? You are Ryan. Incorrect. It's George Clooney, guys. <laughs>
1: it's that's subjective.
0: It's very clearly George Clooney. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, adaptation stars John Cusack, John Malkovich, and Nicolas Cage. They all appear in adaptation. They all appear in what other action movie? John Cusack, John Malkovich, <gasps> and Nicolas Cage. Barcy, what is The Rock? <laughs> that is incorrect. <laughs> Mike. Mike. It's Con
1: Air. It's Con Air. Mike. John Malkovich is Cyrus the Virus. Ooh. What is
0: the favorite movie of most hair dryers?
2: <laughs> what is Hairspray?
0: <laughs> incorrect. I don't
2: know why I turned into Jeopardy over here. <laughs> <laughs> Mike. <laughs> Mike. Con Air.
0: It's Con Air. It's, con Air is written on every hair dryer, guys. Mike. Oh shit,
2: that's good. That's good.
0: Human Nature is. Uh oh, I lost it. Human Nature is the first movie starring this star of Lizzie McGuire.
1: What's her fucking name?
0: Mike. Mike.
1: Hillary Duff?
0: <laughs> Mike. <laughs> You're going to win because of Hillary Duff. <laughs> and being John Malkovich, everyone thinks John Malkovich plays a jewel thief. Four years after the movie came out, he did play a jewel thief in what Rowan Atkinson comedy? God. Mike? Mike. Mr. Bean, the movie? It's not Mr. Bean.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's such a great guy. No fucking clue. Uh,
0: Mike? It, it's called Johnny English. Oh, not Speaking of me. Atkinson, name two fictional characters who have inexplicably gotten their heads stuck in giant turkeys. Mike. Mike. Monica Geller.
1: And Mr. Bean.
0: Incorrect.
2: Uh, Those are the only two I know. <laughs> Damn it.
0: It's Mr. Bean and Joey Tribbiani.
2: No, Monica does Monica that. does it. Oh, oh but Joey gets it stuck. Joey gets yeah. it stuck. She Monica puts does it on
1: it to, to make it nice. She puts it on and puts the glasses and the hat, the Shriner hat on it.
0: She's, Guys, yeah, it's true. Read well, a fucking book. Jesus. We just
1: made you lose a trivia point, Ryan, because we knew that.
0: <laughs> yeah, but she, Monica didn't get stuck. Anyway, this how many trish. episodes of the Friends spinoff, Joey, did I watch?
2: <laughs> Barcy.
0: Barcy. All of them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Incorrect. <laughs> Mike. Mike. One. Incorrect. It's zero. What would be the name of a phlegm-flinging superhero based on the writer-director of I'm Thinking of Ending Things?
1: Mike. Mike. Coughman?
0: It's Coughman. <laughs> Mike. What would be the superhero name of the person who is a monster named solely by day and not great by night? Mike. Mike. John Badman? No, it's just Goodman. He's good, not great. It's it's Goodman. Uh, we got like seven more of these guys. Uh,
2: oh my God.
0: What would be the superhero name of the person who is a Kauffman theater director by day and has the powers of the star of Baywatch at night? Oh my God.
1: Mike? Mike. Pamela Thomas Anderson?
2: Oh my God. Incorrect. <laughs>
0: It's Hoffman Philip Seymour Hoffman. Uh, what would this, what would be the superhero name of the person who is a narrator by day and releases prisoners by night Oh my God a narrator by day and releases prisoners by night It's Freeman that would be Morgan Free Freeman Man. and then finally uh, what would be the superhero name of the person who was Wolverine by day?
1: He- Jackman. I'm sorry, Hugh Jackman. Mike, Hugh Jackman.
0: Oh. No, if he's... The superhero name of the guy who's Wolverine by day is Wolverine. I'll give Barcy the point for that, <laughs> stupid <laughs> idiot. Of course When we come back, more about... <laughs> I'm thinking of ending thing.
2: I never thought i die alone. I the loudest who'd
0: have known. Guys, how does this movie, and by movie I'm... I'm Talking about, I'm thinking of ending things. How does this change or solidify our thoughts about Charlie Kaufman towards women? Is this movie just another crazier version of how all men just need Natalie Portman to introduce them to the shins?
1: (laughs) (laughs) It'll change your life. Um, No, I, I I think it's a very specific, not knowing anything about the book, I think it's a very specific choice to have Jake not be the protagonist. To have Lucy, name, name, name. uh, To have Jesse Buckley be... it's Even though maybe she is just a projection of him, she makes choices throughout it and has the reactions, and she's who we see arc. And it almost does feel like she's a rebuttal, maybe not just the critics, to himself, to throughout. He's like, I can make a a strong, three-dimensional female character, is what it felt like.
2: I do find it interesting that that's coupled with his constant theme in this particularly of of the mommy stuff. Mm -hmm. Like he had so... It seemed like the the original problems were directed at, you know, mom, and then later directed at the idea of marriage not being what it was cut out to be either, and therefore, who's to blame? Seems like he's heterosexual, so I would guess the woman.
0: It seems like he is, but is that true? Uh, The second viewing, I like... In Car Ride 1, um, the girl, Jesse Buckley, says the word sissy. And he's mm-hmm. like, yeah, well, but yeah, uh, I don't think people like that the use of that word. And it sounds like typical college kid, look how woke I am. But then in Car Ride 2, they're talking about the, what's that called? The DMSI, the, the book of like, Death. how oh. everybody, you know, like all of your, uh, all of the things that might make yeah. you crazy. And one of them is homosexuality. And it's because of the <laughs> coddling of the mom. That's what they said back then. And mm. I think that he right. made part of the reason that he was stuck in that town for so long is a fear of coming out of the closet.
1: And he does dig his heels in, even when she's like, no, I don't think that I'm saying they used to think that and he doesn't let it go for a while. Right. Good wow. point.
2: Yeah. I could still make the same argument though, that it's still mom's mom's fault then that he mm. couldn't find himself, uh, in, in that because of her, because of her suppression then at that point. And then also the girls in the the, the ice cream shop like there's, yeah we gotta get to
0: that. Barsia.
2: They're very um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, just like caricatures of, of women, mm-hmm. and there's the one that makes sure that Lucy is it Lucia or Lucy because he's flips it changes it. It's yeah. All of them, yeah and sometimes it's yeah. Ames, right? Yes. Um, oh, we didn't even talk about the movie in the movie. Um, oh yeah.
1: <laughs> that was a thirty rock level movie parody like if that, that's how fake it felt
2: it, it yeah, it almost didn't need to be there in my opinion, but anyways, so yeah, the girl who had all the the rashes mm-hmm. all over her was like made a point to call Lucy you know, not particularly pretty and that makes her a better person versus the other girls
1: that's that's interesting because Lucy was a little offended as, as one would be there. And then they went back and forth and it, it felt like so much of this, I guess is if it's on the janitor's head is him wrestling with that of part of him thinks that, and then another part of him is like, well, that's fucked up that you shouldn't judge people on that. They went back and forth that way. Like it felt like that girl is often is, is who Jake relates to more than anybody else we see in the movie. They both have the same rashes on their arms when we see yeah. Jesse Plemons arm. Yeah. And, Who knows if they both actually have the same rash. He definitely sees he is that kind of lost sad girl in the ice cream shop more than he's anybody
0: else. I know, but I think Mm. what that means is that that janitor is walking down the hall in, quote-unquote, real life and saying, Oh, I could relate to that girl. Mm -hmm. Like, I bet that if I was younger, we could go out or something.
1: Oh, I I, I I, I didn't see anything romantic between...
0: Do
2: you think that he was the girl, like in his mind, especially for going down the homosexual thread? Like, maybe this is how he really sees himself? Is yeah. It,
0: if not romantic, then at least connect like that. Yeah. You know? For sure. All right. Uh, but uh, overall, um, do we think that this is Kaufman's healthy dealing with his thoughts about women, or does it feel like unhealthy?
2: I. It, mm-hmm. Barcy, please. I was going to say, it feels like typical male gaze bullshit to me.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm not going to say what I was going to say then. (laughs) Why would I? Uh, I think you do have the expertise. Thinking about, like, John Malkovich was one of his first movies, that, like, I think Catherine Keener and Lottie are the obvious heroes, and they're complex there. I understand all the critiques against him throughout it, but I also think the women in his movies, are stronger than one first thinks, because if you if you take those two from John Malkovich, uh, Susan Orlean, what is it, Meryl Streep in, in Adaptation, and Jesse Buckley here, and then Clementine, like, th- those aren't... His dudes are so dude and douchey in the way they are that I think it overshadows in people's memories how strong and complex all of his women are, more than in a lot of other films. Mike.
0: Yeah, I heard someone say that about this movie and about all of his movies. Like, dude, that girl, you know, when you were 18, you know, rejected you. You're 60 now. Can you get the fuck over it? Mm -hmm. And I get that, but also, I just, I want to say that, like, the fact that he's not over it is interesting to me. I would like people like Michael Bay, who shoot Megan Fox in the way that they do, to get over their 18-year-old rejection. Not the way that Kaufman handles it, you know?
1: Especially when you drill into... uh... Q- John Cusack is such a weak, weak Ross Geller, and the Kaufman brothers are weak Ra- Ross Gellers, and Jake here is a—they're re- all such weak, obviously pathetic men that I think that is kind of his. I think every movie he is taking himself to task.
0: I agree. We, guys, we have to get Mike. to the award ceremony, but I will point out that we have now referenced three of the six friends by name. <laughs> Hopefully, the other three can come up very soon. <laughs>
2: Missing that's Gunther. Four. Oh gosh, he doesn't count. <laughs> oh, <that's> very different. <laughs> See, Mike, a... thinks,
0: Mike thinks of himself as a Gunther, so that hurt really. I'm bad always just
1: watching people have fun.
2: Oh, and it's. A... <laughs> I don't know if that's true.
0: <laughs> uh, Mike, yes, you sir. threw in a new award. What was that again? Oh, uh, cough minute e moment.
1: Well, if that's it, it's can't stop coughing.
0: Can't stop coffin. which Scrub is like, K. but that also sounds like coffin like what you're buried in after you commit suicide. So there's, there's a lot of layers of this award.
1: And it's an ode to the entire West Coast being on fire.
0: And coughing. Yeah. Ooh. All right. So that's what we're going to start with. Of course, uh, I'm thinking of anything is going to win dozens and dozens of Oscars, if that ever happens. But its first five awards are going to come tonight, starting with the can't stop Coffin. Barcy, what'd you get for that one?
2: I think the play at the end where it just turns into this staged musical <laughs> on a stage, on an actual stage. I With everybody
0: like... in old people makeup? Yes. Yes. That's the one. That's so weird. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that, that's a hard one to beat, Mike. What do you got?
1: Uh, mine was when uh, Jesse Buckley was walking down the stairs over and over And over again, and when Mm. she finally ends doing that, Tony Collette is alive again, and in like nineteen seventies clothes, which was so all of that was so reminiscent of Eternal Sunshine of the House is the Memory, and and Clementine is in those same type of clothes.
0: Mm. Those are excellent. Um, And there's a ton of those moments, but yeah, you guys pick ones that like it's not just the dog shaking its head, which is weird, but you know, I don't know if that's it's that important. But I'm gonna give it to Barcy for just like, you started that Oklahoma thing in the beginning of the movie, and you just ran with it, bro. <laughs> Way to go, Kaufman.
1: We could do an hour on musicals in Oklahoma in this movie. There's something there.
0: What was the next award? What? What's What was the other one, Mike, that we don't usually do?
1: This is uncomfortable, Ryan. It's the <laughs> most
0: uncomfortable moment. Cool. Uh, <laughs> Mike, what did you get for most uncomfortable moment?
1: I I, I think it's... The dinner scene, which was very long, so specifically when they start, uh, he she says I'm an asshole. Jesse Buckley does, and Tony Collette's laugh goes on for so long, and then sort of turns into sobs and turns into laughs again. <laughs> and the whole time, David Thistlepotts is just dead-eyed staring at Jesse Buckley. So the one-two punch of the parents there.
2: Yeah.
0: Barcy, yeah. um, what'd you get?
2: I, yeah, the, the whole part where, like, they didn't love her artwork at the dinner table. <laughs> yeah. and they were just like, no, like, this is terrible. And then Tony Collette's just like, it's great. <laughs>
0: <laughs> is that also while uh, Jesse Buckley is looking down at her feet and seeing that, like, Notice wild her- toe? <laughs> oh,
1: yeah. Yes. Oh, bro. Did you puke, I- Ryan?
0: <laughs> That's, That's not cool.
1: Barsi, might... Ryan has a big foot phobia. He cannot stand seeing <gasps> feet.
0: Oh, my God. Yeah, I'm... but one wild toe. That's totally fine. Is that the out like,
1: <laughs> oh, that's not better. That's...
0: <laughs> Coming out of the sock like a maggot on a pig.
2: We might be jumping ahead for cringiest. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, I'm going to give that one to Mike because it, this is a little biased, but... um. Like. The whole sitting at a table meeting new people and then they start laughing, but I'm just sitting there like expressionless, having no idea why <laughs> everyone's laughing. That one hits home. Uh, next one is cringiest moment. Barcy, we'll start with you. What is the cringiest moment?
2: I mean, that toenail is pretty bad, but um, I also cringed a lot with the whole yelling at the mom for the, the genius, the genius, genius. Oh, yeah. like, something about and we get that. table pounding. You just went on for like too long. You're like, oh no, it's not ending. <laughs>
1: Mike? Yeah, that was rough. I I think the dad generally towards Lucy Lucia was uncomfortable and cringy. But there's, I think they hugged, either hugged or were close enough to hug and didn't at a certain point that really got under my skin.
2: Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. uh, I'm going to go with Barcy here on the genus thing because it's so easy just to be like, oh, no, it's. And everyone thinks it's genius, but it's actually genius. And then everyone move on with their lives, and they just couldn't do that. Barcy. Uh Mike, we're going to you for director's signature moment. What was the most... As a filmmaker, not as like a screenwriter, but as a filmmaker, what was the Kaufman camera move that stood out to you the most?
1: The, the Kaufman camera move, I think it was specifically the... They've been driving forever in the snow. It's Car Ride Round 2. And they are and he's like oh i'm just going to my high school right here and her look of like panic but it's also the look of like the snow going everywhere like the very very tunneled vision uh mm. of that driveway you can't see anything but the snow and barely a path uh felt very kaufman
0: which again she is in his fantasy he is even in his fantasy she's still freaking out and wants to get the fuck <laughs> away from him <laughs> Barcy, what was your director's signature moment?
2: Well, Mike already mentioned this in another category, but the stairs going rep- being repetitive and just going in and out, in and out, and again and again and again, and all these different versions, but also the same. I feel like that's super Kaufman-y.
0: Do you know what was awesome is that I wanted to reward both of you guys for that, but Barcy, I gave it to you. But now oh, I do get to so reward nice. Mike for coming up with that one. Yeah, you're right, Barcy. It's the stairs Borscht. moment. That's the <laughs> that's the signature moment. And then finally, Barcy, we'll go to you. The pound for pound performance, who? Regardless of the amount of screen time, absolutely destroyed in this movie.
2: I mean I have to go with Tony Collette with mom.
0: Oh man, I want to meet your mom so bad. <laughs> 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 All right, Mike, who do you think it is?
1: I got it. I think it's Jesse Buckley. And maybe it's just like I know Tony Collette is amazing and she wasn't this, but the the subtle nuances she threw in when anytime she had a different name or different background, how she was just a shade different as she was previously, but still obviously different was a tour de force. A word I've
0: Tour never de force. Used. That's a point for right. that right there. Yeah. It's <laughs> I've been hearing about her for a couple of years. Like she is our next Florence Pugh. Now that Florence <laughs> Pew is old and no one cares about her anymore. Um, she was in a movie called Wild Rose, where she played an Australian who wanted to perform country music that is supposed to be amazing Ew. and she's amazing. <laughs> yeah. It's I gross. think
1: she's Irish too. Oh, so I think is? that was a fake American accent the whole time. Yeah, huh. and she's gonna be in the next season of Fargo. I'm pumped. Ooh,
2: she's perfect for that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would buy stock in Jesse. I got
2: Buckley, hard sure. Fargo vibes during the whole drive too. Like, yeah. Oh yeah. For
0: sure. Yeah. All right. So your winners are: uh, Kaufman-esque moment is the Oklahoma State show out of nowhere. Your most uncomfortable moment was the constant dinner laughing for no reason. Your cringiest <laughs> moment was the genius genius conversation. Your director's signature moment was uh, Jesse Buckley going down the stairs, and your performance of the movie was Jesse Buckley. When we come back, Barcy, you're going to take off. So Mike and I are going to discuss your performance in detail, talk a (laughs) lot of shit, and figure out who won tonight.
2: Never leave early. Oh, dang. (laughs) Cut my life into pieces.
1: This is my last resort. Suffocation.
0: Mike, did we do it? Oh, by the way, Barcy is gone. Thanks so much, Barcy. Um, I guess that means that she can't get any more points. Mike, do you do you want to try for some more points?
1: I, if if the panel of judges says that's okay, that's okay. I guess I am not so busy that I overbooked this, and she had to run to do more podcasts. But I'm here, and I'm ready to earn some goddamn points. Should I? What, was I supposed to say no? Of course not. That'd be yeah, because it's
0: breaking the rules. We're past the uh, the point for it. Um, I
1: asked if it was break.
0: <sighs> wonderful podcast. Um, great hosting. Probably hosting that will never be repeated again. Do you think that we did it? Do you think that we broke down this unbreakable movie? Not the movie unbreakable. Um, I have to say, I'd love else. to
1: do an episode about unbreakable. Yeah, because do you know what? Like we talked about how it was kind of confusing and mind fuck, but like. Everything I've seen online is nobody gets beyond that. And I don't know. I'm not saying we are so smart, because I don't think that. We're pretty dumb. It does feel like everybody only got beyond, like, this is confusing, and then didn't push slightly through that, like, parameter, barrier. And just move a little. Just think a little. Like, it's okay. Get off your phone. Is that, like... Oh, I think
0: that's a good thing to say. Yeah, I wonder how often people were on their phone because there's shit that goes by in a flash, like almost like you're watching your life flash before your mm-hmm. eyes. And if you're on your phone, you stupid fucking idiots! Watch the social dilemma. See how you're destroying the fucking country.
1: Thinking about all of his films, I think adaptation might be crazier than this one.
0: That's insane. That's 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 patently wrong. But uh, I would <laughs> think that this is the uh, the hardest one to get a firm grasp on. What's the hey, Jesse Buckley move?
1: Yeah. Just like...
0: <laughs> not stop. What? Hey, Is she Mike? an orangutan
1: asking for leaves?
0: <laughs> Good reference. Mike. <laughs> um, one time, Mike and I were at a zoo, and we stood there for, I would say, six or seven hours watching the same orangutan go... <laughs> and then uh, have its fist do the come hither thing. Demand water and or leaves. It was smart. And somebody's job was to, every time the orangutan went... <laughs> To respond and give it what it wanted. Yeah,
1: I would assumed the job would be to teach the orangutan some self-control or discipline, but nope. It was to bend over backwards for the... Pfft.
0: Do you think that's what gave birth to the classic phrase? Sometimes you're the orangutan, sometimes you're the fucking zoo employee who just has to keep giving things to fart sounds?
1: Yeah. <laughs> and the fucking is part of that phrase, too.
0: Do you know what sucks about... That job is that sometimes the orangutan Nothing. does not want lettuce or water, but it farts and then you blindly <laughs> shove lettuce or water in its butt.
1: Yeah, and that's what you gotta. It's, it's both an, a visual, an aural, and a nasal based job. You have to use all those things together to know what kind of fart sound it was.
0: Just like I'm thinking of ending things. Uh, Mike, let me get to this first. How do you think this is gonna do in the 2020 bracket that may or may not ever happen?
1: If and when there's a 2020 bracket, I. I'm having trouble coming up with a movie that could contend. I didn't watch Never, Maybe, Sometimes, Always. Uh, Didn't watch Definitely, Maybe. I think this is clearly the the winner.
0: (laughs) I mean, I'll throw this out right now. Um, If you heard Barcy tonight, that means that you didn't hear one of us. That one of us was Greg. He took the night off. He loves it more than me and you put together.
1: So. Yeah, he was not allowed to be on tonight's show because we're like, no, we need like need to put thought into it. And he just kept going. <laughs> but in
0: it's the like, positive ah! right? <laughs> Just so much Bobcat gold weight for some reason. Uh, yeah, I think it's going to do very well just because it's so clearly us. You know, like if you, if you paint a picture of us, specifically the two or me, you and Greg, and talk about why we're such wieners, why we're such terrible wieners, we're going to love it more than you will ever know. How will I know how to feel, though? Oh, no. I will be in the foreground of the paintings. (laughs) Looking sad? That's why I taped a picture of me watching the movies on your TV when you watch movies, so you can see me reacting. (laughs) Apparently, my reaction is always masturbating. Mike, who do you think won tonight? We had Christina Barcy. She did (laughs) amazing, yeah? she did great she was an awesome guest i would love
1: to have her back not like some of those other guests
0: (laughs) but do you think that uh she spanked your little bottom or do you think that she spanked your bottom
1: i think she did great in the parts that actually matter i wonder if not knowing the twisted mind of ryan and how trivia works might have hurt her a
0: little oh my god every podcast that we do should at the end of the title be called or say from the twisted mind of ryan (laughs) Like Clive Barker. How does Clive yeah. Barker get that shit, but I don't. From
1: the twisted mind of Clive. Well, he has a name like Clive Barker. Two fake
0: names. Um, in third place, it was me with eight points. I got eight points tonight.
1: I think you're climbing every time.
0: Uh, yeah, I'm getting a couple more points every time. Um, and that's just another part of what happens when I host. Uh, in second place is Barcy with 27, which I do think is an incredible guest score. That's
1: a great guest score.
0: But yeah, I wonder if we if we went back through the tape and looked at it, was it trivia where I would ask questions about my childhood. <laughs> and then you got 33. You got 6 more points yeah, than she did.
1: I had the benefit of being in the bushes during your childhood taking notes.
0: Like and I feel so bad because I was I said, "Hey, do you remember this famous story that I told about me and my relationship with this book?" And she told like an 800-word story yeah, about what she was thought awesome. it might be. Yeah.
1: That was awesome. She did a better job than I did on that for
0: She sure. won, right? Like she she's the winner.
1: Yeah. She won in our hearts, I won in our hearts.
0: Well, like all the commercials are already put in. So is there anything you want to say?
1: I want to say that you should check out Dimension, Barcy's fiction yeah. podcast. Dimension the- Pictures presents Scream, Scream 2, Scream 3, Scream 4, and soon Scream 5.
0: From the crazy mind of Dimension Pictures.
1: And then uh, if she is a uh, podcast producer extraordinaire, go to Avant House. It's, you, you can spell it. It's spelled exactly how it sounds. Uh, I, I believe, Ryan, please correct me if I'm wrong. A V A N T H A U with an umlaut S dot com. Figure out how to spell U with an umlaut in your yeah. search bar.
0: Avant H A U S is probably going to get you there. Don't, yeah. Don't spend a lot of time uh, figuring out the umlaut. And that's Avant Hoos Media. Deuce. Um, And yet, yeah, this was, I would say this was a very hard show for us, Mike, because we are pieces of shit. Farmers. And she is a professional podcaster producer. Like, if you have any podcast questions, um, you should go to her. No, in order to, unfortunately, Mike, in order to like uh, pimp the guest that we had, I had to majorly bring us down a level.
1: Oh, okay, got it. She did uh, at every break tell us how we were podcasting wrong, which hurts. I
0: mean, we're like, what? What? What are we doing? And she's like, oh, it's just, it's just wrong. It's just, it's just, just so fucking wrong. wrong.
1: Most of the time, my mic was facing opposite from my mouth, so that might have been part of it.
0: So congratulations to Barcy for being on the show. Uh, Uncongratulations to her for losing to one of the stupidest people that I've ever met, Mike. Mike, uh, good luck in your future hosting endeavors. Thank Um, you. I hope that I'm not a part of the wheels coming off the bus, but (laughs) (laughs) we'll see. For Barcy, for Mike, my name is Ryan, and as always, keep watching those movies.